And welcome back, everyone, to the NICAFA 65 Years of Our Huddle Includes Everyone podcast series. Once again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to give it a listen, and uh, hopefully things are well in your nick of the woods, as we're uh, still hoping for a return to football very soon. On this edition of the podcast, we have a special guest, interesting guest, if you will, in the sense that he has never coached in NICAFA, nor did he play in NICAFA. But um, but you could might say that this person has had more of an influence or more of an impact on ex-NACAFA players than any coach out there. That coach is Denis Pichet, the ex-Ottawa U coach and the U Sport 2006 Coach of the Year. Denis jumps on the podcast, discusses his time with the University of Ottawa, um, his thoughts on the on the football in the National Capital Region and how it's he's, he's seen it grow since he was a player at the University of Ottawa back in the late 80s to his distinguished coaching career in the 2000s, all the way to when he um, kind of, say, crossed the river onto the Quebec side and joined the, the Cégep d'Outaouais as the Griffons head coach. Anyways, Denis Pichet coming up right after the break. Thank you for jumping on today, my man. How are you? I'm very good. Glad to be on with you, buddy. Oh, very good to have you on. A little overdue. We're trying to get you on. I mean, uh, obviously, 2020 has been a uh, a curveball, for lack of a better term, for, well, everybody on this planet of ours, Um, you know. So I'm glad that we got a chance to do this, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Well, again, I'm glad to be on, so it's going to be fun. Cool, cool. Well, you know what? Let's jump right into it. Let's talk a little football. Um, as I promised everybody here, we kind of uh, talk a little football, get caught up on things, and, and just enjoy it. So I'm going to kind of jump right into this, Dan, and, and go back, as I do with everybody, to kind of like your start with football. Because, I mean, obviously, to a lot of people of a certain age, certain generation, um, as I told the listeners in the intro, the name Denis Pichet, it, it, it doesn't, they don't need any introduction. We all know who that is, but let's find out a little bit more about uh, Denis the player as opposed to Denis the coach. So can you give me a little bit of background on uh, on how you kind of got started in Montreal with football? Sure. In the late 70s, uh, I started uh, minor football. Uh, I'm from Montreal North, and uh, which is a suburb of, uh, you know, uh, the big city of Montreal and in the, from the East End. And uh, so I played uh, city minor football. Then I uh, got on to uh, high school football at uh, Henri Bourassa High School. Actually, um, was part of the first ever edition of uh, Les Béliers, which basically are the Rams. We had the, the Rams uniform. And um, yeah, so part of uh, Les Béliers. And um, <clears throat> this is really where I, I totally got hooked onto football. Um, I was also doing uh, track and field at the same time. And uh, when I moved on from high school to uh, playing CJEP uh, football, uh, I played AAA back at the time. It was AAA football, but now it's called Division One. I. Uh, I played for uh, Les Spartiates du Vieux Montréal. And um, I had to choose between track and field and football because uh, my track and field coach did not want me to get hurt playing football and uh, wasted all that training time. And at the time, I was on the... Uh, the junior Canadian team uh, with uh, high jumping. So uh, made the decision for football, stuck to football, and quite frankly, never regretted it. Although I have a sweet spot for track and field, we'll always have. And uh, played my years at uh, Vieux Montréal and uh, had a great time over there. Um, 
really got to play some very, very competitive football, uh, realized that, uh, you know, that, that was, that was something that was more important to me than I ever thought it would be, um, coming from, uh, um, a different background, I would say, uh, and uh, football is what always brought me back into a straight line, which was a good thing. And uh, then eventually uh, said, you know what? Uh, looks like I can play university football. I never thought I would go to university. Didn't even think I would go to CJEP, to be quite frank with you, because nobody in my family has gone to CJEP or university. Um, and where I come from, uh, <laughs> not a lot of people even finish high school, quite frankly. So, so football was, uh, you know, I owe a lot to football. I've always said that. And I guess that's why eventually I got into coaching, uh, felt like I had to give back to the game. And, uh, so kept on going with the process and, uh, was recruited by some universities. And, uh, one day, uh, Jim Daly came to, uh, Cégep du Vieux-Montréal and did his speech and I felt like probably it was time for me to, to, to move away from Montreal and, and to go and uh, explore what was out there um, and, and just basically uh, get off the uh, beaten path and, and then create my own, uh, my own tracks, you know. So um, I left Montreal, chose Ottawa Youth and... Uh, and then uh, played the, from 87 to 90 over there. Met a lot of great people, great friends. And with my friends from CJEP, I mean, they are the people that I still see, that I still care about, that, uh, you know, like uh, we have kids, uh, we, we have reunions and all the memories. And so that's kind of the, the player side of things. And obviously coming to Ottawa, um, you know, I was exposed to, uh, a lot of different things and uh, uh, different people. It was the first time ever I went to school uh, with mostly Anglophone people. Um, I was somewhat bilingual already when I got uh, when I got there because I had played one year midget AAA with uh, Sun Youth Football, and uh, I was the only Frenchie on that team as well. That was downtown Montreal, and um, but um, yeah, it was great. And since we're talking about NCAFA, I mean, I had the chance to play with some great NCAFA players, you know, Pierre Plount, Gord Weber, Don Stats, Brett Wilson, uh, Dave Wardhouse, uh, DJ, Darren Joseph, Mike, uh, Mike Doucette. I mean, just on the off the top of my head like that, I'm sure there was more than that. But those are the guys that I uh, that had an impact on me when I got to the GGs, you know, so uh, that I that I really remember vividly remember and figuring out that their path had gone through minor football in the city of Ottawa. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, uh, that's the whole, uh, the whole story, uh, fast tracking through the years, but that's what it looks like. No, cool. I appreciate that. Well, what I'm going to do actually is I want to kind of stick, uh, before we go forward, cause I have, a, I do have a few questions, but I, I kind of want to go back to the, uh, the early Montreal days. Cause you said a couple of things that I think would be really kind of, uh, well, one thing I'll ask you, and then you'll see the second part and why I ask you that as well. In terms of the first time you played football, take me back to that, like your first kind of, uh, like your very first experience. When was it when that kind of, um, that kind of switch clicked over where you were like, yeah, you know what, um, I, I like this. This is something I want to keep doing. Like, w was there an aha moment for you? Was there ever that, like, when did that happen for you? Well, like I said, I think it really clicked and became something that uh, 
you know, I, I really, I realized that had to be part of my life was in high school when I played for uh, um, Ari High School. Um, I mean, I had played minor football with the long jerseys and the, the hats that were too big and where everybody's grappling <laughs> everybody and everybody falls to make a big pile. And, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I did that. And quite frankly, I did that. And it, it was good because it was my first exposure to it, but it's also because it was community and um, where I came from, there was a, a large discount for, uh, for families like my, like where I came from. And, uh, you know, so it didn't cost basically anything. And that's kind of, that's why I didn't really play hockey where everybody else was into hockey. It was just too expensive. So that's kind of how I stumbled onto football. But then when I was in high school, um, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to try out. And it was the first year ever there was a, a football team, a football program at, at the high school I went to. And uh, so let's do that. I mean, I just kind of went for it. And, but this is where I really, uh, really got, uh, you know, like fell in love with the game and the camaraderie, you know, and then uh, going to play other schools and traveling on the bus with the, the guys and uh, the, the, the high school parties with, uh, with the teammates and stuff like that. And then, and then, you know, like um, I, I got better and it was something that, you know, catching footballs. I mean, I played receiver all my life. Um, it was something that I really enjoyed. And uh, this is really where it clicked. And um, I remember one game, um, my first touchdown, it was probably like the third game of, of my first year in high school. And, uh, you know, we were playing uh, Laurie McDonald. It was uh, an English high school in Montreal. And um, it was, uh, it was, we were playing at their field and, in Montreal, on the English side of things, football tradition was ran way deeper than on the francophone side, you know. And and uh, for the francophone, it was more the hockey and, and even the baseball in the summer. And uh, playing at Laurie McDonald there, and uh, lots of people, and they had the cheerleaders and the whole nine yard, and scoring a touchdown over there. And we lost that game, mind you, but it was my first touchdown in high school, and. The atmosphere and everything and I felt like wow this is really awesome and and I and I guess this is where it really uh it really clicked it really took off for you kind of cool now the second part I wanted to ask you about youth and I don't want to get too 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 much into your private life and, and that type of thing but if you don't mind me asking because I think it's an important message and I know a little bit about it but you kind of elaborated on you you know you, your, your situation was a little different. Again, I don't want to get into that, but what I'd like to do is get into, you mentioned that football was kind of that shining light or that opening and that two things you said that I think are tremendous is that, you know, without football, you know, Sage Epps not are, are not uh, even in thought process and, and university's not even on the radar. So I kind of want to get a message out to some, some of the younger people out there in terms of where, where, how did football, or I guess, how did you compartmentalize? Like how did football kind of play that salvation in your role or what were you able to do or, or what was the escape that football provided? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, it's no secret. I mean, people who, who know me, who've been around me, I mean, I, I come from a low, low housing income project in Montreal North. Montreal North is a, a fairly tough place to grow up. And, um, um, even today, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's still, uh, still a tough place. And, uh, uh, frankly, when, I, I guess I, I found I found my ex, you know, like I found my place 
and it motivated me every day to go to school because if you didn't go to school, you couldn't play ball. If I didn't play ball, uh, you know, like it was something important to me. So that kind of was the, the driving motivation factor, you know, to, to, to get me to not miss my classes and, and to make the grades to be allowed to play. And, and, and then this is what went on uh, through high school, through CJEP, and, uh, and then obviously after that through university. So, so this is what I mean when I feel like I owe a lot to football. Um, and uh, that, that's the role football played for me in, in growing up and, and finding myself as a young man. Perfect. Sorry, Dan, you just broke up at the end there, but I'm sure it came through. And I appreciate you touching on that because, again, it's it's kind of an important lesson. And, and you're not the first person to tell me that, that that through football, it almost uh, it developed a discipline because of the love of football that kind of bled over into other aspects of it. So, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that with me. So you get to Ottawa. You kind of like you said, and I like you where you kind of said you had to um, you had to uh, kind of forge forward with your own path type of thing. What was it like when you arrived in, at the University of Ottawa after spending your entire youth in, in Montreal? Well, it was funny because uh, I had no clue really what was going on. I mean, I, I was just, it, it was very different than it is today. I mean, there was no internet. Uh, there was, the recruiting was very different. Uh, it was, I, I don't want to, like, you were kind of on your own once uh, you had made contact with the coach. The coach said he was interested. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should come and play for the GGs. You know, I mean, it was not like today where you have to court the kids. You know, you have to call them 25 times. Uh, they, they come for visits. You meet the parents, the whole nine yard. I mean, there was none of that stuff really back in those days. You know, I'm talking about the... Uh, you know, like 1986, 87. I mean, it was very, very, very different. Um, so today there's a whole recruiting process that takes place. Back then, you'd get a phone call. Coach calls you. If you're not there, there was the answering machine. Oh, that's, uh, that's Coach Sheehan at Concordia calling me. Wow, it's Coach Breck at uh, Bishop's calling me. All right, so then, then you called back, you know, and it was like impressive and you get to talk to the coach. And then the coach would tell you once, you know, well, if you're interested, we'd like to have you here. And he wouldn't call you like 25 times. He wouldn't whine and dine you. It was, it was not even part of the whole deal back then. So no, I... decided that uh, Jim had convinced me. And like I said, I, I thought it was good for me to, to move away from Montreal and to really go and focus on studying and, and playing ball. And, um, and quite frankly, back then, it was probably the other way around. It was focused on playing football, then studying, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. And then uh, my older brother uh, drove me in his car to, to Ottawa with uh, had three bags of clothes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that was it. And I showed up to training camp in the arena at the rink there at, uh, at Ottawa. And, um I had a room I was renting in a house in Vanier. That was for my first semester. And um, then met some friends and some guys. And January semester, I moved in with, with other football guys and stuff. And that's where it really took off for me, you know, and felt like I was part of the, the whole gig, you know. But the first semester, uh, I was getting acquainted with university, first of all, uh, an English Anglophone environment, which was new to me. And... Um, you know, um, 
finding my place and all of that, you know. And and so it was, uh, it was, it was interesting to say the least. But uh, then again, you know, uh, my move to Ottawa, I mean, forged the rest of of it all. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that down the down the road on this interview. But uh, so it was very strange, and uh, it was very lonely when I got here. It's not like I got here with three other teammates, kind of deal. You know, it was really on my own. <laughs> so. Uh, but but it was okay. The guys were great, and you know, uh, which is often the case on a football team. You know, like the guys, the veterans, they bring you in and they make you feel comfortable. And I remember uh, Pierre Plant, uh, one uh, one of the first guys, uh, Paul Butler. You know, like these guys were great to me as well. And Dave Waterhouse. And uh, so yeah, so that that was the beginning. No, very cool stuff. And it's interesting because we've talked, uh, I've had the chance to talk to a few guys, uh, particularly in the CAFA guys, about the jump from, say, playing city ball to going to university. But I wanted to kind of uh, pick your brain a little because you came from a different level, which is a level that kind of uh, often said the athletes are better prepared, the infrastructure's there. But it was a little bit of a different time. So tell me, what was the jump like going uh, at, at your time in the 80s? From Vieux Montréal to um, to Ottawa, you what was that jump like, both in uh, in commitment and the speed of the game, the, the skill level, that type of thing? Back in those days, I would say that it probably compared to the Ottawa Sooners more than the high school football players that uh, that came into university. You know, yeah. uh, older players, higher level of uh, competition, and uh, more coaches, uh, more coaches with. Uh, high-level experience, um, a real weight room, uh, a real commitment, running track, you know, like all these things I had done in CJEP already back in those those days, you know, we were doing that. And um, because we were a bit older coming in than a high school player from, uh, from Ottawa or Toronto or BC, uh, but then again, BC is different because they had uh, out west, they have awesome junior football. But I, I would say that that I could relate more uh, in terms of uh, the competition and, and, and the guys, the guys who came from junior football back in those days. Now, if you compare CJEP to junior football, it's not comparable, frankly. Uh, CJEP is, is, I think, uh, the best football you can find in Canada uh, next to university football. So, that that's kind of the difference uh but back then you could definitely say that junior football and cjep i mean it was it was pretty much a, a an even level of competition and and you can see the difference from the guys who came from cjep and the guys who came from junior football no it's funny because and, and it's kind of i just jotted myself a, a reminder because when we uh, get kind of into this discussion talk about you uh Again, the cycle of football life or the circle of football life, and you going back to Coach Sejap, I want to talk more about your experience at Vieux Montréal and, and, you know, kind of compare player and coach's age, but we won't touch on that now. But I find it really interesting. Um, and it's also something that I, I've, I've said on numerous occasions. I mean, just the, the, the level of professionalism. I had the opportunity, obviously, I mean, for the listeners, they won't know. This is, <laughs> you obviously know better than anyone. I had the opportunity to coach Sejap. Uh, <laughs> really? You did? I did. I did. We had we we had this guy, Coach Bichet, who was running the show over in Gatineau for a while. So, um, and again, it's just as I tell anybody. I mean, and, and I think you hit it on the head. Um, we're out west. It's still really, really big, like huge out west junior football. 
Um, I don't think anywhere else in the country there, it's even comparable to that anymore. No. But the difference is you still don't have that classroom environment, the, the, the meeting time, having the players, I don't want to say necessarily under the same roof, but on the same campus or same environment together. Um, a little bit of a subculture in CGIP. I mean, we're, we're, we're together. I mean, even back in the 80s, it was it was that i mean the cafeteria the classrooms mm-hmm. the meeting rooms uh you know our field was actually remote it was not on on um, on campus because my cgep is downtown montreal you couldn't find any more downtown than that and just like concordia university which was not too far it was is downtown and uh kind of tough to build a, a stadium downtown Montreal, right? So we were playing remotely. So we had to take uh, uh, the Metro uh, <laughs> to, to go for practice, you know. And gotcha. uh, on game days, we had like school buses and stuff like that. But you'd finish your classes and be seven, eight, 10, 12 guys and we'd hop on the Metro together and we'd bus to and take the Metro to Verdun Stadium, which is which is about... 35 minutes from uh, from the CJEP uh, by public transportation. And then the same thing when you came back, right? And we had our meetings over there at the stadium. And uh, then we'd bus back or grab a ride with guys who had cars and stuff. I didn't have a car back then. So to me, it was always whoever's giving me a ride or <laughs> getting on, on, on the bus and on the metro with my with my, my football, football bag because we didn't have permanent uh, change room over there at the Verdant Stadium. So, okay. um, but no, I mean, it, it, it's like a subculture. I mean, we spend a lot of time together. Some of the, some of the coaches are teachers as well. So it's, it's very different. It's very, very different. Now in CJEP, quite frankly, they have like the head coach and often one or two full-time coaches now in CJEP on the Quebec side, of, you know, and, and uh, so that's, that's totally different. We didn't have that back then. But, no. uh, I mean, still, uh, a lot of time, uh, a big involvement from the coaching staff at the CJEP level, even back then. Uh, but now, like I said, you've got your volunteer and your, your part-time coaches, but you also have, like, depending on the programs, uh, pretty much everybody has got a, a full-time head coach in CJEP now, regardless if you're Division One, Two, or Three. And then after that, depending on the program, you can have one, two, full-time paid assistant you know as well so uh totally different scene and that's probably the big difference with uh junior football out west exactly exactly and you have them in there and it's funny i mean as an outsider looking in um common thought process was oh well you know these kids are coming from say up there they're better because they're older end of story and then when i actually was in the i don't want to call it the inner circle but involved and I'm the first to say it now. I'm like, God, it has it has little to do with the the age factor, and as much as you're just prepping these kids, like they're they're being, um, they're kind of getting the university experience before anybody else is. That, that a lot of those programs are just are are are, are basically just like uh, you know shells. I don't want to say shells, but they're 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 smaller versions of some pretty. Well, it's universe. like the American League in hockey, you know, like. Uh... Or, uh, you know, a triple A for baseball, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I would kind of uh, link it to, you know, like to, to give a, an idea for those who, who, who don't really understand what CJEP football is or any CJEP sports, quite frankly, because volleyball, basketball, uh, hockey, uh, track and field. 
that's pretty much the same model as uh, what we're discussing here about football. No, exactly, and it's it's quite impressive. Like I said, I uh, haven't had a chance to, to 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 work it, to kind of live it, for lack of a better term. Um, I became a big big fan of the the system. Um, I think it enhances it's great players. And like I said, it's something that I'd almost like to see uh, emulated if possible, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, so we kind of get now, let's uh, kind of go back to Ottawa U. We go, we got you coming in as a rookie or whatnot. Um, looking back at your Ottawa U days, now, how many years did you, were you playing for the Gigi? Well, this, I was there for uh, four, four seasons. Yeah, four years. Four full seasons. Now you come in as a rookie. Um people might not remember back then or people that don't follow the Gigi's quite as much as say you or I, or a lot of other people listen to this, but kind of give them a background. One thing you can say about Ottawa, U wins, losses, whatever. It is rare that there's not a, a significant amount of talent in that program. So, I mean, Hey, you're coming in as, as kind of a, a, a Francophone, but that does speak English, but it's, I think there's an adjustment there when you get there. Be as a rookie who doesn't really know a lot of guys, and see, like you said, there, there's some talented ball players on that team. So you kind of get there. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the evolution from year one to year two to year three. When as as somebody now looking back on their career, if that makes sense, the way I'm asking that, Dan. Well, I mean, it's whenever you you get into a room and uh, you've got. Uh, uh, Let's say Gord Weber, uh, Chris Joskis, Dave Waterhouse. Uh, I mean, those guys were were the big time players. You know, like when uh, when I played there, Guy Battaglini. Uh, I mean, those were like wow players. You know, like for me, you come in there, uh, like I said, you don't feel totally comfortable. I mean, I was never a shy guy, but I mean, uh, I understood the way football was and. You know, until you, you get brought in, you shut up and <laughs> you try to figure out where you fit and who's who's in, who are the, the ringleaders, you know, and, and, and how it's done. And you kind of you kind of um, blend into the leadership that's in place there. And then you follow you follow the guidelines because that's the way it is. That's how football is. And uh uh, that's one of the things that I love about football. And uh, so, you know, you, you get reeled in and, and then you, you go through your first year. And um, I was a starter, a captain at Vieux Montréal. And um, it was the first time in my life I was, I was, uh, I dressed only twice, you know, the first year. So that was, that, that's the way it was, you know, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, I was there to play ball and to learn. And uh, you realize quickly this is another step. Doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, let's be honest. That there, there was unbelievable receivers when I got there as well. We had Brett Wilson and Dave Waterhouse. You know, um, Serge Boisvert was a year older than me. He came from CJEP as well, from uh, Saint Georges de Beauce, and he was an unbelievable receiver in CJEP, and obviously was an unbelievable receiver at at, uh, at the GGs as well. And uh, so then, then after that, it's a numbers game. And uh, this is something I did not understand uh, or was not exposed to prior to coming to Ottawa U, the numbers games. You know, like back then we had, I believe, 43 players dressing for a game. And then, uh, then you realize that, uh, okay, there's only uh, six or seven receivers dressing today. Uh, okay, I guess uh, uh, 
okay, well, I, I'm not, I'm not part of it, but you gotta, you gotta bust your ass and you want to improve your, your situation. And, and, and again, you want to find your niche and your place, not only on the program, but on the roster as well. And you want to contribute, you know, the best you can. So, and then year two, three, and four, then, then I, then I was playing regularly and it was different, but the first year, um, I'd say, especially the first semester, then you question everything. You wonder, you know, did I make the right decision? Should I be here? Will I ever be part of this? You know, and then uh, I had an iliotibial band uh, uh, problem as well that first year. So I had to spend a lot of time with Dr. Greenberg and, and the big needle, <laughs> the big needle of cortisone because the swelling was so intense. It was like my iliotibial band was too short for my leg. So uh, we had to, uh, back then, that's how, that's how Doc treated it. Uh, so cortisone made the swelling go away. And then three days later, I was back at running. And so it was a tough first season. It was a tough first semester. And, um, and, and then you go through the winter. And then mm -hmm. uh, we had Terry Orlick with the weighted uh, skipping rope program, the winter, and then the whole nine yard, and then the sprints <laughs> and the running. And uh, it was different. Um, and uh, because by rule in CJEP, it was different. We were allowed uh, back then, it was uh, nine practice indoors. And then in the summer, we ran track. But for the winter, you train kind of on your own back in those days. But you train. It was very different. I mean, you know, veterans brought you into the, the, the weight room and stuff like that in CJEP, but it was not as, um, uh, you didn't have the same implication and, and, and the same rules back when I played CJEP than there is today. Today, I mean, they still have their regulated number of practices, but they run track, you know, from January until uh, July. Uh, they have like... Uh, strength coaches they have the whole night we didn't have that when i played cjeff obviously that was another era but i still think that uh we probably trained more because we were all together we had good facilities uh and it was the thing to do because the veterans would show you this is what you need to do right but when i got to ottawa u it, there was a real winter program with the whole team and everything and that was my first as well and uh so that was a good thing And then this is where you also develop more probably the camaraderie and so on and so forth. You get to spend more time with the guys and um, there, there, there's the pressure of making the roster, the dressing roster for the weekend is not there. And uh, it makes things a bit slower. It goes slower, you know, so you're still part of your first year, you know, I mean, it's still the first year. And uh, to me, this is where I started feeling comfortable and at ease and, This is where I was happy. I toughed it out in the first semester and, and kind of did not go back to Montreal kind of deal. No, it's kind of interesting. I like it. And, and it's funny because most of the people, obviously, uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of people we've had on the podcast. I mean, we all everybody's had a football background and then what they've done with that background, everybody's been different. But it's kind of interesting to talk to guys like kind of like yourself, the Darren Josephs, um, The, the Steve Glenn's uh, guys like this who kind of went on and, and, and made a career of it in some aspect or another. And it's kind of cool when you, when you hear not how close you were to walking away, but the struggles that, that everybody has in that first year. Well, look and, at and DJ. I'm going to cut you off right there because you're talking about yeah. DJ. DJ was my roommate in training camp when I got to Ottawa U uh, in the um, 
Hugh Ottawa residences. That's where the, the players who didn't have a place to stay or came from far away. You know, we, we were put in residence, which was the same thing, actually, even when I coached there. But um, And DJ, this is where I met DJ. He was my roommate. And mm -hmm. DJ, DJ, we thought, was like just unreal. He was just that we were like, wow, it's just crazy. DJ got cut. No, I remember he talks about that. Yeah. DJ got cut. We were like, what? And uh, and then my great friend, uh, Mike King, you know, was kind of the surprise. You know, it was between him and DJ. And uh, Mike King made the cut. And then Mike King ended up playing with me and becoming my roommate down the road and so on and so forth. But uh, And nobody thought that Mike King should not have made the team. We just did not understand why DJ was being cut. And, yeah. then, and then we were like, what? But then we had Guy Battaglini as well, who went on to play with the Argos. And, and this is where you realize the numbers game when you get to university is something that you don't understand, you, you don't get, you know. And when you you end up coaching at that level, then you factor in, okay, who can play special teams? Who can help the team globally the more? And then who are going to be our starters? And then, you know, and then you're like, well, those are tough decisions. You've got to make those decisions, right? Uh, but then we all know the career that DJ had. And, uh, and then that's why you need to... Uh, you know, you need to have faith, and and if you really love the game, and you got to find other avenues because sometimes you you got to face roadblocks, you know, and so you got to stick with it and to see what's really out there for you. And you know, Cujo's the DJ. I mean, unbelievable story. No, I was lucky enough. I mean, you guys' loss was kind of our gain in the sense that that's where that would have been right around the time I met DJ is when he left Ottawa U, and uh, and and I was lucky enough to be roommates with him on the road. And I mean, it turns out, like you said, DJ, um, yeah, he, he wasn't bad. At he was not too bad. No, he was okay. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, if I if I had to take DJ, I get, I guess I would. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> Even today, but, I saw him not too long ago. I mean, he still looks like he could play today. Oh, uh, it's funny because he was on here, Danny. And he's being modest, and he's like, "Oh, I'd go in in a second. They won't let me play." But he goes, "I'd, I'd go in in a second. I'm like, ah, you know what? I." I look at you and still let you play a little bit <laughs> impressive guy there's no getting out of that so you kind of uh, you kind of go through your football now before i kind of put the end of your the close the chapter on your your playing days i'll ask you this for and again i'm going to put you on the spot here so i apologize and so people know i don't prep anybody i just throw kind of throw the question at them here um again you're gonna hang up and think oh shoot i didn't think of this didn't think of that but off the top of your head Ottawa U, football memory. Is there any one or two that kind of jump out in your mind? Like you just look back and, and again, like I tell everybody, on or off the field, keep it in mind, we want to keep this uh, general audience type thing. So probably <laughs> off the field. I think I lost you there, buddy. Oh, you there no, still? You, I got you. Okay, sorry, Perfect. man. That's good. Perfect. Well, when I think, um, uh, I'll think about the 88 games and the, uh, in, in Queens in the semifinal where Gord Slaughter missed a 23-yard field goal, I think, and we ended up losing uh, this game. And, uh, the rivalry back then with, uh, with Queens was just, like, crazy, you know, and we were over there and the bagpipes were going crazy and the engineer all geared up in purple, and which I called them the purple ghost, and um, the fulcrum actually had made a story about my purple ghost. It was funny. 
And, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that game, I mean, we, I think everybody, I mean, we played together every time we, we, you know, have a reunion, we get back together. I mean, every, some, someone's going to bring it up and then we all go on a tangent on that game. And it was, it was a hard memory, but it, it nonetheless, a, a very vivid memory that we'll never forget. And um, I think about uh, the playoff game in 89 against Concordia. I mean, oh my God, this, we beat them at Lansdowne. And uh, this was, uh, this was like the third world war. I mean, it was crazy nasty game it was really 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 uh um, it got very chippy to say the least and uh and then the first time in 1990 first time for me beating queens uh at Lansdowne, a crazy game it was like frozen turf and f- uh, freezing rain and just just a nasty night you know and then we beat queens and it was like we had won the vanya cup kind of deal you know so it was uh yeah, those are like crazy memories. Uh, my first touchdown dinner at Parliament Hill. Uh, those are memories that, uh, you know, like are very, uh, uh, they're deep rooted into my, uh, my U Ottawa memories, you know, and, and, and stick with you today. Sorry? No, I was saying they just, they kind of stick with you today. Yes, they do very much so. And I could go back there and it's almost like I'm there, you know, like I go back in my mind and I, I could vividly remember these moments. No, which is cool. You want to hear, and here's the funny thing, man, is, is again, and, and I, I played at Ottawa, so I heard many stories and I feel like I was on that team, even though I wasn't, I can almost walk you through the series event of events of that 88 Queens playoff game. <laughs> and here's the funny thing when you talk about this now, is that on our podcast series, you are the third or fourth guy to bring that game up. And the cool thing is, is we've got it from both sides. I was lucky enough. We, we, haven't, uh, we haven't published it yet, but that'll be coming up later for people to listen to. But we've had, um, we had Jock Climby on. And Jock <laughs> gave me the other perspective. And talking about the whole sense of relief and shock and awe as they figure it's getting into, you know, and that, that ball just careens off of uh, the kicker's yeah. foot and goes flying off. And, and it's just really, it's kind of neat. That's what I love about the game of football, especially when you get the two perspectives. I mean, from the Ottawa U side, they're explaining this and just the, the, the letdown or the air going out of the, 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 the balloon sort of thing. And then you get Jock's point of view from the Queen side, where just the disbelief did this just happen? Like, did we just witness? So kind of cool that you bring that up. And like I said, you're probably the third or fourth to talk specifically to that game and on both sides of the ball. So I appreciate that, Dan. Thanks. Um, now let's talk. You graduate from Ottawa U. All right. Um, you go on. You graduate from Ottawa U. Where's your mind at right now? What are you thinking? I mean, I know what you did, but tell me how you got there. Well, um, just uh, just like everybody wondering what's next and what's out there. And, uh, and then you get a funny phone call from Jeff Sims, who's in Grenoble in France. <laughs> Any phone call at that point from Jeff Sims is funny, but I'm sure this would be funny. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Becky, Becky calls me and... Um, uh, you're like uh, okay, and uh, he's in France, and phone is cutting off, and I can barely hear what he's saying. And we're both speaking way louder than we should because we're so far away. We think it's going to help, 
Uh, you know, like, <laughs> no, I, I remember that well. You screaming <laughs> the phone because somehow that's going to clear the Atlantic. Yeah. Anyways, so he's telling me that uh, JF Eru, who was an all purpose player type of guy, uh, who was an outstanding running back at uh, Concordia, uh, broke his nose in practice. He's done. He's coming back to, uh, to Montreal. And uh, Jeff is playing for Grenoble. Uh, they're in training camp. And uh, um, he goes, there's only five days left uh, before, uh, before um, the, uh, uh, the deadline to sign foreigners. He says, do you think you could be here in Grenoble in France in five days, within five <laughs> days, so we can license you if you were interested to take his place? And I'm like, uh, what is going on? What is this? Like, <laughs> like, I'm totally, like, freaking out in the sense that I've always wanted to travel. But obviously, with the background I had, I mean, I had never traveled. Um, I'd been to the U.S. in spring break because... Because I know Chris Johnson. <laughs> and, and because, no, no, enough said. Because we could drive over there and we did the spring break and stuff. But I mean, uh, that's about it, you know. And um, so this is very exciting. It's almost like, okay, um, maybe I could still play football. And he's telling me, well, you got a place to stay. You got a paycheck. You, you know, like it's fun. You got a full insurance. They pay your plane tickets and so, um, so to make a long story short, um, they say, well, uh, with courier and all that stuff, let's not forget there's no internet. There's no, it's, it's nope. everything is more complicated than it is today. So they go, I'm going to let you talk to the president of the team and, um, you need to, you need to fork out your, your plane ticket, but then uh, you'll be reimbursed when you get here and so on and so forth. Frankly, I'm living month to month, man. I don't have that money. And there's a friend of mine, and to this day, him and his dad, I, I, like I, it's it's unreal. His dad paid my plane ticket to get my uh, my uh, <laughs> to get to get me to to Grenoble, and um, then uh, the team reimbursed him and. Uh, but if he's not there, I mean, although I, I'm really excited and I think I really want to do this and, you know, and then I, I say, well, I'm going to put my life on pause for three, four months. The time I go play a season over there and then when I come back, I mean, then I'll really think about my future and, uh, you know, I'll have a clearer mind. And I'll know what to do and I would have played football and because of football I would have, you know, had the opportunity to explore and so on and so forth. So. I mean, I don't have the money. I want to do it, but I, but I, but I, but I can't really do it. And I still have an apartment to pay because you know, like I have roommates, and so. But if it's not for the uh, Nipahkin's dad, the Mister Pahkin, uh, okay. I'm not going over there. So anyway, so this is how it all happened. So uh, within four days, I'm in Ottawa, living on Chapel Street, with Mike King and everybody, and trying to figure out the rest of my life. And then uh, off to uh, to Grenoble to play uh, in the first division there, and returning kicks, playing running back, playing some defense, and so on and so forth, and receiver, and and Becky's playing linebacker and running back. <laughs> it's just like crazy. And um, this is this is how it happened for me. Then I, I went from Ottawa U 
not being sure about what life had in store for me to jump in onto a, a crazy opportunity, just not even thinking about it, just being who I am, basically a free spirited, trusting life, you know, and I say, okay, let's do this. And then I'm gone. And, um, you know, and then when you're over there, uh, foreigners, part of our contract was to coach the junior team. And this is other than for spring camp at the CJEP level, they usually bring back their university players to help coach at spring camp. So the kids see, you know, that when you, you graduate from CJEP, then this is a possibility you go on to play university. And so, so other than going back to Vieux Montréal in the spring, when I played at Ottawa U to coach spring camp over there, mm -hmm. well, help coach spring camp. Uh, I mean, I'm, coaching was never something that I thought I would do quite frankly. And then, uh, me and Jeff were coaching the junior team over there. And this is where I'm like, wow, coaching is pretty cool. And then this is how it all started. So I played two seasons over there in Grenoble and, uh, two seasons where I coached, um, uh, the junior team. And uh, this is where I really got my uh, my taste. And Jeff had the defense, and I had the offense. And this is how it all got started, really. Nothing really planned, just like playing two more years and getting paid for it and living in Europe when I thought I was going to be gone for three months. I never came back, and I stayed there and stayed there for two years, you know. So sometimes, you know, life brings you to, uh, uh, you know, uh, a different road and you're wondering should i take it should i not take it and sometimes you just got to trust that you're doing the right thing and just don't stand on the fence and jump i guess and this is what i did but that's what happened after uh, the ggs no it's funny because i mean you're not the first to talk about that whole uh you know myself included uh, i i would have never thought even in my last year of university even shortly after that coaching was not something on the radar and, and you kind of your story similar to a lot so i mean that's a perfect segue dan i appreciate that in terms of a perfect segue into kind of you get back let's talk about the return to ottawa you um obviously by this time when you've got back from europe you, you i think coaching is on the radar what how did uh, how did you land at ottawa you back at ottawa you coaching well, after I, uh, I played two years for Grenoble and coached the junior team, um, it was funny because I had a girlfriend in France at that time. And so, you know, uh, I was not really coming back, was not in the plans. And I was actually thinking I may end up staying in France and living there. And uh, there was a Canadian team uh, from Ottawa and the Ottawa. It was a mixed team of Sooners and university players and, you know, journeyman who had played bootleggers and so on and so forth that was touring in France. And uh, all the foreigners had gone. Jeff was gone. Um, Jeff was actually already working at Ottawa U. He had just been hired uh, with alumni development, and, mm -hmm. um, helping Larry Ring and all that stuff. So, um so that team is is calling uh, Grenoble and uh, the, the league where we're in, which is Rhône-Alpes, which is basically the the area because we're in the Alps, we're in the French Alps, and uh, and they're saying, well, we'd like to book a few teams in your area. We'd like to play in Lyon and maybe in Grenoble and whatever is available, you know. So then the league, I'm the only 
foreigner left in the area. And they're asking me, well, you coach, you know, the Santors juniors and you guys twice went to the national championship. We lost, though, to Aix-en-Provence both years, but we went to, uh, we were a small place, uh, Grenoble, where we played, you know, like in the Alps. And uh, so two years we went with the junior team to the national championship, but we lost. And uh, so they go, well, you've got experience coaching. You played in, in Canada. Would you like to make an all-star team for the whole area? And we'd play this Canadian team that's traveling through France and looking for games. And, uh, and then I said yes, and then we gathered a bunch of uh, players uh, and, and coaches from the area, and uh, we built a team. We had a little training camp of about, like, uh, 10 practices, and then uh, this Canadian team showed up, and the game was in Lyon. And um, if it wasn't for uh, our kicker uh, that missed – uh, that missed uh, 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 a field goal. It was uh, something like a 35-yard field goal or something like that. Um, we lost uh, 13 to 10. Uh, we would have gone into overtime, and then who knows what would have happened. But we lose to this Canadian team, and then everybody thought we were going to get r- railroad, you know, and uh, crushed. And uh, so uh, after that game, I had four offers. Uh, to be a full-time coach, head coach, and in the French uh, in the French league, so this is how really, really, this is really where I said, okay, you know what, I'm gonna do this, and we're gonna try to see where this goes. So for two years, I coached uh, the Scorpions in in Bron, which is a suburb of Lyon. So this is the, the mm-hmm. job I accepted, and when I was coaching there, after my second year. Um, uh, this is where Larry, Larry called me and uh, Jeff, and they were offering the first ever full-time position at Ottawa U. And, I don't remember that. And, uh, and they had offered the job to Chris Godkin, and uh, it was a guy from uh, uh, Southern Ontario, and uh, he was going to accept the job, and... Um, Quite frankly, and this is not, he committed suicide before uh, he even started work. Wow. Yeah. And then Jeff and Larry are calling me and they're asking me if I'm coming back to Canada and if I'd be interested in interviewing for the job. And um, at that time, I mean, I feel like I was starting to miss, you know, like coming back home quite frankly you know and this phone call again with jeff sims again you know <laughs> now he took me away from from canada brought me to france and now he's asking me if i'm interested and he and larry knew of me obviously uh from the ggs and so um so i come back and uh that was in may of uh, 1994 and uh, go through the interview and and then Larry decides that uh, I'm going to fit the bill and I get the job. And, and then I was at Ottawa U from uh, 1994 until uh, February 2010. <laughs> and this is how it happened, you know, with two winter stints in Switzerland, but that's down the road. But other than that, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I mean, this became a huge part of my life. Yeah, well, my, it's a touch. It's a little part of your life, at least. I would say so. Yes. 
Now, and again, the cool thing was, as you did in the in the 2000s, leading the program into the millennium, you you became uh, you truly did become the face of the GGs. And I want to talk a little bit about that evolution. You and I have discussed it a few times in our conversations or whatnot. But I mean, one of the questions I, I'll ask you, then I'll get into the specifics of your your head coaching career. But what was one of the what were a few of the biggest changes you've seen in the evolution of university football in Ottawa from say 1994? Until uh, until your 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 retirement, I guess your retirement from university coaching um, in 2010. What what, what do you what, what do you say was some of the biggest evolution of the game? Well, the resources that the players uh, had to get ready to play university. Uh, I mean, this uh, changed over the years and access to more and more and more and specialization of you know like when i played i mean when football was over we were going to play basketball we we're on the basketball team you know and then when that was over we'd go and play uh baseball and uh you know so we, we were playing multi-sports and but then whether you'd play soccer hockey football it became a year-long thing you know and then that changed the game tremendously because um players would come more ready, uh, would be exposed to uh, more different styles of coaching as well because there would be clinics and camps and this and that. And uh, in Quebec, you've got the U, U19, the U16 ranking where all university coaches evaluate and there's camps and stuff and then you're being ranked. And so, and then you have the Team Ontario, U16, U19, you've got... Uh, uh, the Spalding Cup, where you have uh, uh, provincial teams and regional teams and just more access to more football and more resources to get better at it and be exposed to more competition. And that from the 90s until today, it kept evolving and there's to a point where now I think there's too much of that, but that's another podcast, but uh, but to me, this this was the main difference. And then probably the parents, the hockey parents becoming football parents and wanting to be involved in becoming agents. And, uh, you know, so, so I think those are the, the things that have changed the most, I would say, that have helped change the game a lot um, mm-hmm. from the 90s to... Uh, until I left in February 2010. No, it's funny you say that because it's something I brought up on a few times with people, like just in general conversations. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't, uh, you know, when I grew up playing football, you generally didn't have the hockey parent. You didn't have that hockey culture. And I mean, again, hockey is a completely different beast in our country. So, I mean, that's probably even evolved to new heights that we don't even, or depths, I should say, that we don't, uh, that we wouldn't even want to imagine. But I, I have seen that as, as, you know, one of the negatives, I guess you could say, is just exactly that, the, 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 the hockey parent approach that you didn't see, say, 10, 15 years ago and the proliferation of, uh, for lack of better terms, these agents that are promising everything or, you know, they can magically do this or that, which is, uh, which is again, the evolution. Part of it is part of the evolution of the game and part of it getting bigger. Part of it's a bit of a shame, but is it's one of those things where it kind of chalks up to it is what it is. Um, now, in terms of being the head coach at Ottawa U, let's take uh, take back where you had a couple of years off, or not years off, but like you said, the winters in uh, in Switzerland. 
And then you kind of went through a transition period where you had, I, I believe there was, you went through three head coaches. Uh, you had the interim head coach. So you would have had uh, Larry Ring. Um, interim would have been, uh, I think, Andy McAvoy. And, and, and you would have had Marcel there. Talk to me about when you took over, when that became a reality that Denis Pichet was going to be the head coach of Ottawa. You, when did you really see that as being a reality and how did it play out? Well, first of all, in, in, uh, in the winter of 99, Marcel, uh, um, uh, actually, sorry, in the winter of 98, it's getting confusing, man. It's a, a long time ago, all these years, and so many great people, memories and players and coaches. Sometimes I get lost. But the winter of 98, Marcel becomes uh, the interim head coach. And he called me, asked me if I was coming back to Canada because he really wanted me to come back and coach with him. And um, and then I told him that I was under contract for a, a, another another season um, in 99 uh, f- with uh, with the Lancourt Broncos. I think you know the quarterback uh, who played for me over there. Um, and, uh, it, it wasn't bad. <laughs> funny guy. He was a bad passer. He's a funnier guy than he was. Uh, but anyways, leave that one alone. He's so then uh, me and Marcel kept in contact, and then I uh, was definitely coming back uh, uh after the my my my, my two seasons in uh, in Switzerland, and then uh, Marcel uh, and I, you know, got back together, and I became the assistant head coach, and uh, um, with Marcel in '99, and um, and and then uh, was with him for that year, and um, then uh, we lost to Laval in this crazy game, the choke in the snow, as I recall, it was in the newspaper. <laughs> And uh, we lost to Laval there. And then uh, we flipped the script over and we did the, uh, we did the opposite uh, in 2000 going on and winning the, uh, the Vanier Cup, the national championship. And um, I knew Marcel was aiming at uh, the CFL. And um, then I realized that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe there's something I could do, you know. And, and this is when I started really thinking knowing that he, he was going to leave it was pretty much a, a, something that we we knew winning the venue cup or not marcel was probably not going to be back he was you know he, he was going to find something whether it be a u.s high school a, a u.s university the cfl i mean marcel had different aspirations and he was ready to make the move so i i knew you know we had discussed that and then this is when I really started to think, you know, you know what, maybe, maybe it's my turn, you know, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could become the head coach of my alma mater and uh, where I'd uh, begin my, my career, full-time football career, you know, like uh, in, in Canada, because I had been a full-time coach before when I was in, in, in France and in Switzerland, but, you know, it was, it was kind of a, it was different. It was not the same caliber. It was not the same intensity. It was, it was not the same thing, you know. So, um, so this is when, uh, you know, knowing Marcel was moving on, this is when I, I really started to really think about it and, and, and visual my, myself, you know, as the head coach of the program. No, very cool. Kind of interesting. You put a smile on my face because you, <laughs> as you're telling that, and it's funny where as humans we're pick up little pieces and you say kind of talk about the intensity differences between you Ottawa and say uh, and say overseas and stuff I just uh, I think myself uh, 
you know, and God love them, love them to death. But I'm thinking at Ottawa, you, you didn't have any willies at center <laughs> or you didn't have a Tommy Gunter at tackle. Uh, R.I.P. Tommy, love the guy. But anyways, having said all that, so now it's kind of the reality. Denis Pichet's the, the, the head man at Ottawa. You, you're, you're kind of there. Um, let's say the first year or two on the job. There's a transition period. And I mean, Hard. I'm get into the whole What's Hard. That? Yeah, no, I, that's exactly it. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more. Tell us a bit about the first couple of years and that transition period for you. Well, first of all, those are tough years for the program. Uh, it's not going well. Uh, we're coming off winning the Vanier Cup uh, with Marcel, uh, winning three uh, uh, Quebec province, province, provincial championships with Larry, um, going twice to a national semifinal, um, being one of the top teams in the country for a long time now at Ottawa U with Larry and Marcel and, um, and me being part of that. Um, and then the program is not going well. Uh, there's all kinds of situations. Um, and obviously financially, um, there's also a big situation there when I take over the job, when I go through the interview process, so on and so forth. Anyway, I win the job, and then uh, then reality strikes. You're sitting down with the athletic director, and he's telling you that uh, the program is in debt, and this is how much you need to fundraise on top of everything that you need to fundraise to function already, because the reality of a Canadian football coach is, is very far from one in the NCAA. I could guarantee you that. And... Um, this is when you realize uh, the size of the job. Uh, you have a, you knew it, but you didn't know it until you have the books in your face, you know? And, um, so that was tough. And then you have to figure out how you're going to get this done, you know? And so before you're even thinking about football, before you're even thinking about who's going to be your quarterback, who's going to be anchoring your defense, uh, who are your top recruits, you know, like uh, how do we divide the recruiting task and so on and so forth. I mean, before you get to that, you're being hit with a sledgehammer of a, an 80 pound sledgehammer right in the forehead, you know, and you got to crunch numbers and, and you're like, OK, how do we do this? Because you've never had to do this before. And although you're starting to get a hang of coaching football because you've done it for a long time now. Um, you're realizing that uh, you're probably going to have to coach the least football you've ever coached and rely on amazing assistance because there's so much to do to save this program and bring back this program to national predominance. And, and, mm -hmm. and that, that's when you're like, okay, this is the real deal. So this is how it all starts, you know, and then you have to make a very tough decision. You can have a full-time assistant or you can use the salary of a full-time assistant to pay the debt. <laughs> and then you got to convince amazing coaches uh, to do this for free so we can get rid of that debt and uh, still be competitive and go win some football. And uh, we've done that. For, we did that for two years. So I took the salaries of the coaches. The coaches were unreal. Nobody took money. I didn't have an, a full-time assistant where everybody else in the country did. 
And for two years, the salary that was reserved for a full-time assistant went on to pay the debt that the program had accumulated over the years. And, uh, and then we were, after two years, financially, we were, we were back and, and, and we had a chance to now think about how we can do this better and how we can do this in a way that it's going to be um, more viable and we can function. And, uh, and then you realize you're only as good as your weakest link. And the, the main and the most important thing is to surround yourself with amazing people and know your weaknesses and go get people who, who are stronger than you are in certain areas. And, and, you know, like, and this is what we did as a coaching staff. And uh, uh, we were able in two years, you know, to really bring back uh, the program to national predominance. And, uh, you know, so, and I've always said, I mean, the day that we don't make the playoffs, I'll be resigning and I've resigned, but we had made the playoffs. So this never really occurred, but we've made the playoffs every year that I coached there as the head coach. But to be quite honest, the first two years were really, really hard and a lot of tough decisions and changing the culture. We had a very low uh, graduation rate, uh, there was a lot of things that we needed to address and I got cursed on social media. Like you wouldn't believe I was, uh, I was destroying the program. I was, uh, making the wrong decisions and, uh, Oh, it was, it was hard, man. The, the first two years were really, really, really hard, but, uh, with the help of our coaching staff and, and staying the course, um, we, uh, into what we deeply believed was the right way to do it we were able to do it and uh i will never stress enough the we in this because uh, uh the coaches that we had and the vision that i had and the understanding of the culture at ottawa u and i'm not talking about football here i'm talking about the university my understanding of the culture and uh we were able to do it uh, managing uh the program to get back into uh into the black uh, in the books and uh, uh, the recruiting and uh, having a different way of doing it and going to get student athletes and uh, selling the program. And reality had changed recruiting wise because Laval, uh, Montreal was there and then eventually Sherbrooke was there. So it was tough to, to be as good as we were uh, on the Quebec side which had helped us tremendously in the Larry and Marcel eras. And uh, so now it was very different because all the best players uh, were going to Laval in Montreal and eventually Sherbrooke. So uh, all the best players in, on the Quebec side, they were now going, um, they were split in, in three ways in Quebec. And not that we didn't get great players from Ontario, not that we didn't get great players from out West. I mean, these guys were and always have been the core of the GGs, so they were a humongous part. But in the '90s, and and you know, like this is where we got more and more CJET players. And what it did is, when we had great players who were graduating, it was we were reloading as opposed to rebuilding with the exactly. players and that was the the big difference that helped us 
And we could not have done it without the great Ontario players and the great NCAFA and Ottawa players that we got every year or the, the two, three guys we got from out West and, and the boys from Northern Ontario that we've always had an unbelievable pipeline as a player and as a coach with Northern Ontario. I mean, these guys were not less important than the Quebec siege of guys never were. But when we were graduating 10, 12 guys a year, bringing in ready to play, you know, like game ready players from CJEP helped us. They no, stay on course, top, you know, and this is where it was important. And, uh, but the, the reality had changed. So it was tougher. So we would go and get players from CJEP in Division Three and Division Two that were playing in less predominant programs that maybe the Laval and the Montreal and the Sherbrooke were not as interested, but they were great players. They were just not playing in great programs, and we brought them to Ottawa U, and we were able to fill the gaps and, and, and carry on with this recruiting philosophy where the Quebec guys gave us a chance to reload because they were older and more ready, uh, while some amazing talent from the rest of Canada was developing. And then after a year or two, were ready to to be humongous contributors for the program and, and all Canadians and, and leaders and so on and so forth. But the CJEP players, that's what they do. They give you a chance to reload. This is why Laval and Montreal, they never go through rebuilding phases. They're always in the best programs in the country because they get game-ready players every year. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, it's not the case for the rest of Canada. So... Uh, you know, in Ottawa, you included. And we had an advantage. We could provide French education to Francophone kids who were intimidated by uh, going to school in English. Uh, geographically speaking, you know, you're less than two hours away from uh, the West End of Montreal. Uh, there was a lot of reasons why there was an advantage for us and that we got to keep uh, this advantage even today, you know, to make sure and to bring back the GG program to where where it was and where it belongs, you know. So, but the first two years, man, as a head coach, I could honestly say I've never had a tougher. Uh, this is the toughest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. No, and I, again, not to pump your tires or anything, but I know myself and a lot of other alumni, we we appreciate that because, quite frankly, the difference in, in the sustainability of, of what you put into place in those 2,000 years, you see it now. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, Ottawa U is, and I'm not going to get into the behind the scenes, the admin, fact that a field's named after a guy that even left in dispute. We won't touch on that. But on, on the other hand, I mean, if you look at the history, it's kind of been a peaks and valley, peaks and valley. And we've taken it for granted now. We're going on 20 years almost of, of not peaks and valley. But, you know, one of the, you know, a program that's been steadily up there. And more importantly, does what it's supposed to do in Canada. And that's the most important thing is, I mean, getting the graduation rate, bringing players in that are true student athletes that are going on to do great things afterwards. I mean, we had one of your... Um, one of your players on the podcast earlier, uh, Cyril Legetti. And I mean, just talking to him and talking about his days at RYU and what he's gone on to do and how his company's involved in the, uh, in the forefront of uh, this whole COVID thing. It's just interesting to, to talk to him. But I mean, 
again, and we had those players in the 80s, man. I'm not saying they didn't exist, but I mean, in your era, truly, they became more the norm than the exception, which is what I think a university program is all about. I mean, especially in Canada. So, I mean, don't uh, again without, and I know you're 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 a modest guy, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of alumni that appreciate the work you put in and and bringing Ottawa back to the uh, to the level again, not just on the field, but where there's a certain pride about those GG's colors and what it means to have that degree and have graduated from the football program. So again, from a lot of us, then um, we say thanks. Now I I I always do this, and especially when I get on with an old culture. I promise it will be a certain length and then I take much longer than, than I do. But you know me, so you know that when I tell you X amount of time, that's an impossibility. <laughs> so, but I, I'll try to tie things up here. And it's amazing because we have, there's so much more that we could talk about. But I'm going to ask you a question because I remember vividly. I've gotten to know you over the years. I mean, obviously, having been your quarterback for a couple of years overseas, I've been coached for you, uh, you know, again, the, 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 the circle of the football life. I look um, now. Let's take a look at your coaching career at Ottawa U, specifically Ottawa U. Um, I'm going to ask you because I have an idea of the low light and the highlight, or I not the highlight, but I have an idea of the low light. But why don't you tell me what one of the highlights was in terms of your career at at U Ottawa? Wow. Yeah, no, it's story, and that's when I think about the question. Or is there something that jumps out? And it could be anything. I don't want to say highlight because there's a million things that'll pop in your head. I'll be honest with you. And this is going to sound corny, but all my players will 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 know this. I'm being honest here. I mean, we've won a lot of football games when I was there as head coach. We've had undefeated season. We've had like one loss, two loss. That was the normality, you know. And uh, winning uh, winning the the Yates Cup and. Uh, being a few seconds away from going to play Laval in the Vanya Cup, you know, and I mean, all these things are amazing and amazing battles against Greg Marshall and Western when I was there. And it's funny, he wrote me a nice email when I, when I left Ottawa U in 2010 and talking about our battles. And um, I mean, yes, winning a lot of football games yes uh being in the top five i believe this last six years i was there top five in the country i mean all these things i mean this for sure you're coaching it's competitive you want to win you want to be uh you want to be good you want to be recognized you want to bring a program that is at the forefront of uh youth sports which was cis back then but um of course this matters Honestly, what really matters is now I'm seeing, you know, our former players being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I see all my players, you know, all the players that we recruited that are still, you know, in contact with me. I see them having kids. I mean, I like to me, these are the highlights years after I coach at Ottawa U. These are to me the biggest highlights of coaching at Ottawa U. <laughs> And all these things are happening way after. And thinking about the the coaches I was able to assemble or the coaches who were able to tolerate me all those years, you know, and stick with me and and get this unbelievable task, you know, like uh, accomplished. And uh, the parents of the kids who became friends, tons of parents, you know, like uh, of kids became friends in the bleachers and are still friends today. And. I still hear from them and like to me those 
this is honestly the and the Plantasia brothers will will vouch for this, but our riots in the locker room, you know, I mean, and this is this is an insider, obviously, but I mean, my time on the field with Kevin Kelly and our stupid conversations about nothing is almost out of a Seinfeld episode and the Josh Sokobi <laughs> story and the Brad Sinopoli and the Phil Cotes. And I mean, I, I kid, I mean, there's too much. It's impossible. But to summarize it all is the relationships, 100%, the relationships and making me realize how much everything is about the people. And uh, if, if you get that, you know, that it's always about the people, then you realize that X and O's matter. But if you don't have that bond, that connection, don't care what kind of playbook you got. I don't care what, what system you're using. I mean, I, I don't care how you coach your practices and how well organized you are. And who's your filmer of tight line and close line and wide angle? I mean, none of that matters. You know, it's always going to be about the people. And uh, this, is, this is the highlight of definitely of my career is the relationships, uh, the growth, the growth of these kids that are, that leave the program as, as young men. And then you see them after, after they've graduated. And you talked about Cyril. Cyril hated me, man, when he got to Ottawa U. He was a stud <laughs> quarterback. And I bring him in training camp in my office and I tell him we're going to move you to receiver. And he wants to quit and he wants to leave. Well, to this day, he knows and he's told me this is the best decision ever, you know, for him and, and for the career that he had. But how many players ate your guts at one point and then, then they realize and then they get it and, and, and then they get back to you and they tell you, you know, that those were the best years of their lives. And, and to me, honestly, I'm being sincere here. These are the highlights, really, for me. That's really what matters. I believe it, man. I don't. I don't think there's any insincerity, and I mean, just uh, and again, people will uh, kind of inside between me, myself and you. Um, just the other day, you had an opportunity to speak to one of your your ex players, and if you had seen the um, the the what's the word I'm looking for, the 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 light in his eyes and his face just brighten up because it took him a few seconds to realize who he was <laughs> talking to. And, 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 and I remember handing him the phone saying, you know, uh, here, we got three seconds to figure out who it is. And then five minutes later, having to go take my phone back because he was deep in conversation he was there. But the look on Alex's face when when, when, I, when he finally figured out who he was talking to. And I mean, there's stories like that. So, I mean, I appreciate you kind of uh, you kind of bringing that up and, and, and kind of summing everything up. And I think that's almost a good way to kind of end our conversation because I'm. At the end of the day, Dan, it's completely about the people. Um, I, I tend to, I look back at our, and I mean, yeah, obviously we had some success together, both as, as myself, part of your coaching staff and myself going way, way back, uh, you know, way, way back when I was playing for you. But I mean, you know, yeah, you think about how close we came to a championship, both as coaches and as players. But, you know, it's not even the games. I couldn't even get into great detail. One or two plays here I'll remember. But it's everything outside of that, um, you know, moments in Switzerland, conversations on bus rides, 
um, getting together as a staff, to, uh, you know, starting to game plan and then all of a sudden drifting off into some completely separate <laughs> conversation. Realizing you're an hour later and you've talked about everything except what you're doing. So, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Well, again, Dan, um, what I'm going to do, I've done this with a couple people, but I, I'm going to uh, push my luck because I played Q, uh, Q for you and I coached with you. I got to get you on here another time, man. We haven't even talked about your Sage Up days and some of these things, but I super appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us today, buddy. It's always, well, it was long overdue. And when you asked me about that, I mean, it got crazy. 2020 got in the way and it's been a while, but, uh, uh, I was committed to doing it. And, uh, you know, Ottawa football community, uh, means a lot to me. Uh, and CAFA is an amazing organization, uh, presenting amazing opportunities to uh to, to the youth of uh, the, the the youth of ottawa giving them a chance to be exposed to proper and and, and proper leadership uh exposed to greater things than what they've ever experienced and uh give them the chance to play football and i think it was only fitting uh so many NCAFA players contributed to uh to the success of uh, of our ggs uh, when I was a player, uh, when I was an assistant coach and when I was a head coach and I could rhyme off like a full page, you know, and, and then some of unbelievable and careful players who have made the GGs, the program that it is today. And, um, it goes way beyond me, uh, and, and way before me. And it's, it's not over in CAFA still going strong. And uh, I know you're doing this, uh, you know, with the NCAFA 65th uh, birthday. And uh, I was very, very honored and humbled that you asked me to come and speak. And, um, you know, uh, it's always nice to talk about football. And it's always nice to talk about Ottawa football. And that's what we did. and, And that's great. No, it's awesome, man. And like I said, don't be shocked. I'm probably going to bug you again because as we're talking about your playing days, I find that interesting. I'm like, there's so much more we can do. So, I mean, I'm going on record saying this won't be the last time we'll have you on this (laughs) podcast. Right. I'll be glad you just holler at me and we'll figure out a time we'll make it happen. No, no, no. As I say, Coach, I played QB for you. You owe me at least a second (laughs) podcast. So, despite any headaches they may have given you You over the years. Dan, I loved having you on, my man. I very much appreciate you jumping on. And uh, and everybody else out there listening, we appreciate, as always, that you listen to our 65 for 65 podcast series. And until next time, we wish you uh, yeah, a very good day, afternoon, morning, whatever time it is you're listening to this. Please enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll catch up with you next time on our in CAFA 65 years of our huddle includes everyone. Thanks again.